0: Hi, I'm Arnie Skelton, and each week in this podcast series, I'm going to offer you my top 10 tips on particular topics or themes that might be of interest to you as a teacher or manager or both. Hi. Hi. And welcome to this week's podcast, which is on the topic of thinking on your feet. It's going to be the first part of a two-part talk. This week, I'll outline some of the key principles to help you think effectively on your feet. And next week, I'm going to offer 10 thinking frames, models of thinking or structures that you can learn and then call on when put on the spot. So, that's next week. This week is all about my top 10 tips as principles, key things to bear in mind and think about to take into any situation where you might have to think on your feet. Typically, of course, that would be in answering unprompted questions. So, here are my top 10 tips on thinking on your feet. Tip number one, have a positive mindset. I mean, this this is true for almost every situation in life generally. It's the same with anything. If you're anxious or fearful or worried, it will show in both your behavior and in your answer. Being positive will allow you to find solutions with more trust and with more confidence in yourself. So work hard at developing a positive mindset. That's going to help you rather than hinder you in any on-the-spot situation. Tip number two is about answering questions that, demonstrate you in the best possible light. If you have to answer a question on the spot, it means you're dealing with the unknown, something you didn't know about in advance. It clearly puts you on the spot. And for most people in any audience, that's where the person answering the question, you, can be your most impressive. You see, anyone can put together a decent proposal with enough time and information. But to answer an unknown question on the spot and do it well shows the skills of either great preparation and anticipation and or a great ability to think on your feet and or a great and embedded knowledge of your subject. And all three of those skills are highly valued and highly prized. So being able to think on your feet may well be the decisive part of any proposal or interview. It could be the clincher. So, thinking on, on the spot, thinking on your feet can be a really tie-breaking asset. So, tip number two, deal well with the unknown. And that leads to tip number three. The best way of, of helping you address the unknown is to not leave it as unknown. So, tip number three is prepare And what I mean specifically here is to anticipate those unexpected questions and put yourself in your audience's shoes. Given your proposal or the interview you're going through, what could they ask? And what could they ask that you would find difficult to answer? Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine you were listening to your presentation or interview. What questions would you ask? difficult questions and, having anticipated them, prepare your answers. And if you're not particularly good at this, at asking yourself challenging questions, then find a friend or a colleague who will do it for you. Your best way of thinking effectively on the spot is to have already anticipated the questions they're likely to ask. Tip number four. The clue is in the question. For me this means two things. Firstly, the question indicates your answer. It gives you all you need for your answer. It tells you what you're expected to be talking about. If it says if the question is about flig flogs, then you've got to answer in terms of flig flogs. If the question is about biggie baggy, then you've got to answer in terms of biggie baggy. The clue's there, it's in the question. Now at this point When somebody gets a question about bliggy blaggy many will think, oh my goodness, and start to panic, and their mind and their internal dialogue wanders into unhelpful thoughts, such as, oh damn, I know I should have done more research on this, or bugger, I don't have a good answer for this, or OMG, I can feel myself getting redder and redder with embarrassment. None of this will help, of course. So the tip is, stay focused on the question. That's where your best answer will come from. Not from wandering down unhelpful self-talk routes. Secondly on this tip, the ball, the question, is now firmly in your court. I'm going to use a tennis analogy here. Imagine you're playing tennis. The person asking the question is Roger Federer. You are... Nadal, the questioner, Federer, serves you the question. Now, as soon as it is served, the ball, in this case the question, is now in Nadal's court, in your court. It's yours to play. So this is what questions are for. For you to return it with a good answer. And what I mean by this is this. You have far more control than you think. Once the question has been asked, it's now in your court to answer. So instead of faffing and panicking with negative and distracting self-talk, focus on your return of serve. Give them the best answer to their question that you can give. Don't get distracted. Tip number five. And this is about silence. Silence has different timescales and feelings for the questioner and for the person who's responding. When asked a question, some people are reluctant to pause and think through their answer. This is partly because they think the pause shows uncertainty and lack of knowledge, and partly because they fear the silence. But both these views are, in my opinion, misguided. Firstly, taking time to think about your answer shows you are a thinker, not someone who has an answer they have learned off-pat, robotically. So taking time to think may be to your credit, rather than to your disadvantage. And secondly, let's imagine you take four seconds to think. Well, four seconds thinking time may seem like an age to you, the thinker, but doesn't seem to be the same to those listening. See, that was a four-second pause. How did you feel about that? To me, it felt like an age. But to you, it probably just was a pause for thought. So you see what I mean? The time you take to think as the responder, you see very differently, as much more extensive than those who've asked the question. So tip number six, what I call my three-card trick. When making any case, and that includes answering a question, have this simple simple three-step approach in mind in answering the question. Firstly, give your opinion. After all, that's what they want by asking the question. Give your opinion. Step two, and this is perhaps the crucial one, specify the criterion you are using to frame your answer. And step three, give an example or an illustration. Or some other evidence. Let me give you an example. I used to live in Chester. And if somebody said, what do you think of Chester? Here's my three-card trick answer. I think Chester is a great city. There's my opinion. In terms of its historical significance. And that's my criterion. So I'm answering the question, is Chester a good city? With reference to its historical significance presentation. So I now give the third step, which is some examples. For example, it has a medieval cathedral, it has a Roman amphitheatre, it has 18th century rows where two sets of shops are stacked one on the other. So there you are. Chester is a great city in terms of its historical heritage. It has a medieval cathedral, it has a Roman amphitheatre and it has 18th century rows. I could answer the question, using the same three-card trick, in a less positive way. If the question is still the same, what do you think of Chester? I could say, well, Chester is not particularly good, really, in terms of its current football team. It's no longer in the British leagues. So there you are. I framed the answer to Chester being good or bad with reference to football. I could also talk about Chester being a good city in terms of its transport links. There's the second step criterion. Chester has fantastic transport links. It's near two very good regional airports in terms of Liverpool and Manchester. It's well connected to the motorway system. It has a very good rail link and it has a canal system running through it. There we are. So the three-card trick. Give your opinion... Frame the reference for which you are providing your answer using the criterion reference and then give examples. So tip number seven. You can buy thinking time. Here are three examples. There may be more, but they can only be used sparingly, only once in any presentation or interview. So here are my three. Firstly, repeat the question and make sure you repeat it Don't ask them to repeat it. Asking them to repeat it sounds like you are not a good listener or lacking in confidence. But you repeating it shows you have heard it correctly and they won't mind it being played back to them just for clarity. And on that point, the second one is to clarify the question. Check for any ambiguities or uncertainties in the question. Check for the intent behind the question. Probe the question, if you want, before you start answering it. All of that can buy you time. And thirdly, dissect the question. Break it down into its main elements. If it's a long question or a complex question, that helps you by being able to chunk it down into its component parts and at the same time be thinking what the answer might be. So, tip number seven, buy yourself some thinking time. Tip number eight, jot down your thoughts as you hear the question, perhaps as a number of points. It may even help, as the question is being asked, to write down the question itself, and then immediately under it the numbers one, two and three, as if you're going to make three points, which you are. Because doing this writing down the question and then numbering parts of your page so that you can fill that with with points. Doing that creates an expectation in your mind to get ready for a structured approach. So having three points to make will make you sound more structured and logical, less random with your comments. And tip number nine. This follows on from the previous point. And the term I give to this is convert spaghetti into sausages. Many of us, especially if we are creative thinkers, have internal thinking that is structured like spaghetti. Lots of different and disconnected strands of thought, all running off in different and unconnected ways and directions. So there's a lot going on in there, but it's loosely organised, if at all. It's spaghetti. Yet, when we have to answer a question to make sense of that spaghetti, It has to come out verbally, vocally, in a linear way, like sausages. Because that's how language works. One word after another, following a linear structure and pathway. And some people find it really difficult to convert spaghetti into sausages. That's why writing the question down, followed by numbering 1 to 3, can help it immediately gets the mind ready to switch from spaghetti to sausages. So, in general, if you have a spaghetti-thinking brain, you will find it really helpful to think, I need to organise what I'm about to say in a linear way, before you start to speak. In other words, think sausages. And tip number ten. Finally, It's quite possible that when you've been asked the question, you simply don't know the answer. And there are four things you can do, so have all four of these ready. The first one is to say you don't know, and leave it at that. The second one is to say no, but offer to find out the answer. The third one, and this is if you're in an audience setting, ask if anyone else present knows the answer. And fourthly, guess or offer an estimate, but it's crucial that you say it's a guess or an estimate. That may be all the, the questioner wants, wants some indication of what your view is. So it's okay in that circumstance to offer a guess, an estimate, but you must say, that's only a guess, that's only an estimate. And that's it. Those are my top 10 tips on thinking on your feet. So a quick recap. Tip number one, have a positive mindset. Tip number two, answering questions may show you in your best light because you're answering something you couldn't have prepared easily for. Tip number three, make sure you prepare. Prepare for difficult questions and your answers to them. Tip number four, the clue is in the question. Stay focused on the question. Don't go down panicky rabbit holes of fears and anxieties. Tip number five, silence has different timescales. Taking four seconds to reflect for yourself seems like an age, but to the audience or the question giver, it's absolutely fine. Tip number six, use the three-card trick. Give an opinion Reference the criterion you're using and give examples. Tip number seven, buy some thinking time by repeating the question and probing what it really is about. Tip number eight, jot down your thoughts. Tip number nine, convert spaghetti into sausages. And tip number ten, if you don't know the answer, there are four ways in which you could deal with that. So that's it. Next week, I'm going to follow up with my top 10 thinking frames, which are structures or models around which you can construct almost any answer and are really helpful for helping you think quickly and confidently in any situation. And remember, if you'd like to come to any of my monthly one-day workshops on topics such as these, then go to www.etduk.co.uk and on the menu bar, click on One Day Workshops and you'll get a full listing there. So that's it for today. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe. You will still get the podcast for free, but you will also get an alert to let you know when the next podcast is available. And please recommend the podcast to anyone else you think might like it and benefit from it. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review and any other comment, because they'll help promote the podcast series on the relevant platform. So, bye for now.